I like the way you, you approach the musical challenge and uh, dissect. You are the most self-critical person I've known when it comes to music. You literally tear it apart and reform it. And you're critical when it comes to my stuff, too, which I like. I love. Critical isn't criticism. No, I know. Here is where it is, and this is a vision of what I think it could be. That's because I'm a perfectionist. And we need many more of those because the world needs a lot more perfecting. In order to be a perfectionist, one must relinquish one's ego to a higher perspective. Ego's great. Ego is, as long as it's subservient, as long as it's in its right place. You don't want your ego driving your choices in life. I don't know about that. I, I used ego as, as a pretty strong weapon and made my choices based upon a lot of my egotistical desires. Was that good? Did I step on people's toes? Did I screw up? There is a certain ruthlessness that, that you need if you're going to impose yourself on life. And you have to impose yourself on life sometimes. That's just the way it is. You do, but and you can be ruthless, but the ruthlessness is better if it's in service to the person, not in service to your need to be right. I'm going to say right now, welcome <laughs> to Memories in the Key of Life. Kuda Patawita. We are blathering, and we are blathering with some good stuff here. This is where we reflect, dissect, inspect, and give respect to all the moments of joy, frustration, and humor we confront every day, and we do it with one of our songs, and if you're lucky, a bit of poetry. I'm David. And I'm Alexandra. And our featured song on this podcast is The Sound of Your Own Voice. And though others may feel I'm not justified, I truly love the sound of my own voice. There is some ego for you. <laughs> but this is also about something most of us have felt at one time or another, an exaltation that carries us away, the rush of forever. Walking down a sandy beach The sand was smooth beneath my feet I stepped upon a shell And I thought I heard it cry So I picked it up And cupped it to Shell, and when you're all alone. 
This song gives me chills. It literally vibrates my soul. What exactly touches that? Well, I think that we've all at one point picked up a shell and listened to that sound. It has eternity in it, and so do the waves in the ocean. And that's why when we're upset, we like to walk the beach because that sound has something that washes over us, that lets us let down, relax, beyond where we're stuck. The Russia Forever. Yep. But the, the title, The Sound of Your Own Voice, it implies a certain degree of narcissism. What, what, is, what is the sound of your own <laughs> voice here? What are we talking about? Well, that's the thing. When you pick up a shell, it doesn't say, oh, I like my own voice. That sound of my own voice, the sound of forever, or that place that I came from, the place that I returned to. The sound of your own voice really call you home as per the lyrics. And if it calls you home, where is home in your mind? I'm curious. Well, that's the thing. Home is not in the mind. Home is beyond the mind somewhere. In my imagination, I was walking down a beach... And it was like the, a, a beach of spaciousness of time and um, a place where demand responsibility wasn't upon me, where, where I wasn't in critical thinking or feeling obligated or trying to you know, work out a problem. It was just now. And I'd just pick up the shell and something inside opened. When you were walking on this imaginary beach, did, did you confront any small but annoying horrors? No, that was the beauty of the moment. It was taken. In that moment, they were gone. I was released from that. And I tend to carry a heavy burden in my life, and I'm weighed down by it. You know, I meditate and I do all these things, yoga. I try, I try to release my burden of, of obligation and responsibility and guilt and, and frustration and hurt and anger and resentment and, you know, like all these things that I shoulda, woulda, coulda, that I, I deserve that didn't get and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And in that moment, all that was was that, that sound of the shell in me. And it was... All okay. I think we have many homes, and one of them is rarer to find the, these days, especially in the suburban environment. We used to have a neighborhood in our little cul-de-sac, the kind of place where everybody had your back. A weave of families with kids, dogs, four babies, and a cat. There was sharing and caring, and it was clearly understood. If you needed help, we'd be there as soon as we could. To feed the dog, watch your kids, or stack the firewood. 
In the real sense, it was our little community. We connected and committed to our extended family. Nick and Clarita lived right next door, came by to help me lay the kitchen floor, so we bought them a plate of brownies and a bag of weed, asked if there was anything else they'd need, some munchies, to which they hungrily agreed. I mowed the lawn at Donna and John's three doors down. She had a banged-up knee when he was out of town. Of course, she objected and then offered me a beer. I'd sit around afterward to lend her an ear about her teenage daughter. The usual drama broke up with her boyfriend or a fight with her mama. And then Hank, across the street, once swung on by, his wife Nancy insisting he should be the guy to help me clean the leaves from gutters piled high. A task I dreaded, I, I just cannot lie. Ladders and climbing are things I tend to dread. So Hank did the climb, and my wife baked them bread. Paula and Bruce and their baby, made three, had two dogs and a big old oak tree, which every fall would dump every leaf. At least a ton or two it brought so much grief. Leaves hid their lawn. This job was never brief. But we all pitched in to give them some relief, and they'd throw a big party as thanks for all the raking. Three kegs of beer, and the wives brought their baking. Danny, the single dad, hosted a weekend jam session. We'd rock out, smoke some weed, a weekend digression. And Andy and his wife threw a Halloween party from miles around. Trick-or-treaters ate hearty. We all shared so much, the good times and bad, then it started to change, and now it's turned kind of sad. The neighbors I loved have moved, some have died, replaced by others. Our call is colder outside. Oh, they say hello, good morning, and wave as they drive by, but they want to keep their distance. I gotta wonder why. Our call was a community, a place where we'd all try to help each other out, help each other get by. Instead of homes, there's houses with people we barely know. We try to cross the line, get beyond the empty hello. We never get together, everybody goes their own way. But I keep hoping we'll all connect, come together one day. And now, the trust in strangers has taken a hit. Anti-social distancing has forced us all to split. You don't know who carries, who's really unfit to hang with, to get to know. One can never tell who's a friend, acquaintance, or a carrier of hell. So, the hood is gone, the one I once knew. They're all scattered to the winds, that wonderful crew. It'll never be the same, our little cul-de-sac. The kind of place where everybody had your back. A weave of families with kids, dogs, four babies, and a cat. There was sharing and caring, and it was clearly understood. If you needed help, we'd be there as soon as we could. To feed the dog, watch your kids, or stack firewood. It was our neighborhood, our micro-community, where we shared so much, an opportunity to give to others and forge a kind of unity, a blend of friends and family that once flowed so beautifully. So hang on to what you share as long as you can, because these days it's rare to have that kind of clan. Hold that neighborhood deep in your heart, because in time that connection will fall apart. But I promise you'll always miss that cul-de-sac, because once it's gone, 
it'll never come back. Is the neighborhood still a support system in, in your in your view? Is how does it rank as a support system, if at all? <laughs> I mean, I remember my neighborhood growing up as one of four Jews where they used to chant Meisel's got the measles. I mean, we weren't welcomed in our neighborhood growing up. There were two or three neighbors in our townhouse group that were very open to my adult child with autism. She could knock on the door and walk into their house and play with their cats. And um, I think that we live in a, in a very transient time where nothing sticks. Are people as friendly as they used to be? Well, right now we're in the middle of COVID, and I would say absolutely not. And we feel so victimized by it. In the past, there was more sharing and joining and cooperation, like where we rallied around something that we could do something about. I do think that we have, have lost our sense of neighborliness. And when we moved here nine years ago, I had this desire to reach out to the neighbors. I'd never lived in a neighborhood where people pretended we didn't exist before. And I thought, oh, I'll do the block party. I mean, I'm one of those people who likes community. I, I will do, I will make efforts to, to warm the neighborhood up. And this, and, and it's, I have, it was three or four years ago. It was useless. Now the good news is that we're so much more global that we can have personal relations and, and intimacy across the internet or whatever. So now my relationships are not neighborhood relationships. They're more extended to, to where I find like-minded souls. It's not quite the same thing. Uh, not it's, not, it's, it's not the same thing uh, as living in a real neighborhood. I'm going to jump ship here for just a second and say that I, uh, I happen to have heard a guy, some young guy, he was singing the blues the other day on a streaming site, and he, he, was, he was good. But I thought, you know, you can't sing the blues, baby, till your hair turns gray, till your eyes can't tell night from day, till your lips can't form the words that you want to say. Not that there's anything wrong with a young guy singing the blues, but don't you think the credible weight of the blues derives from the amount of tread on the tire? What's, what's your feeling? Well, the tread on the tire creates a different kind of blues. Okay. Okay, because I think a lot of blues is just heartache from love loss when you're younger. Yep. But aging blues is a more profound loss and the inevitability that loss just keeps continuing. It's the kind of loss that I sense uh, very strongly given my my age, my ripe old, ripe old age. So in any case, the next episode's Poetic Ramp, uh, well, what else is it going to be? It's going to be something called Senior Blues. The, the opening lyrics to our next episode's featured song I find fascinating, and they are, In a world sprinkled with glitter, but no glue to make it stick, in a world that can't control the steering, every road is slick. Wow, uh, that kind of sets me back on my heels. It is a song that you wrote called Dare to Dream, and 
It challenges us to hope and reach for the light, to wake up to what's hidden within all of us. You've thrown down the gauntlet, daring us to dream. Why? At the time when I wrote it, it wasn't like I was daring anyone else. <laughs> you know, these are all figments of my own imagination, an attempt to reconcile the gap between feeling horrible in life and finding a reason to stay in the game. But you're, you're basically telling me, Dare to Dream, that is the title of your song. So you're in some way daring me to what? To transcend and do something and, and, and within myself? No, to see past the intransience and struggle to something more. In your view, what is something more? So, you know, you're looking at me and you're saying, okay, here, you know, get past yourself, David. Think about something more. What? Well, that's a personal that's a personal quest. I mean, I think even the Native Americans, I mean, I don't know about other cultures, but what was what was a vision quest? Why did they send ch uh, little adolescent children out into the wilderness alone to to, you know, to either survive and and get their vision or die. Well, what was that about? It's called Dare to Dream, the song, and it challenges us to hope and reach for the light, to wake up to what's hidden within all of us. So we dare you to join us for our next episode when we antagonize and protagonize about lyrical meanings, implications, complications, explanations, justifications, and extrapolations that will entice you, seduce you, and set you ablaze. And if our podcast turns you on, let us know. Drop us a line at memories in the key of life, all one word, lowercase, at gmail.com. And if it doesn't do anything for you, so be it. All that matters is that we love what we're doing how we're doing it, and we're having fun. So if you are too, visit again, and don't forget, your memories are in the key of life. Ta-da! In a world sprinkled with glitter, but more glue to make it stick. In a world that can't control the steering, every road is slick. Drive on through the darkness of this hostile night. Travel through the empty fortress. Reach for my light. Dare to dream. A dream so real, I'm right there with you. Daddy, dream. Feel me with you. Dare to dream. If you can hear my voice, search for my face, hidden within every